It's episode 61 of Milwaukee's Tailgate Baseball Podcast, your weekly Milwaukee Brewers podcast. I'm Steve Garshinsky, and joining me today for the, is it NLCS preview episode? Sure. Is that An what we're going to go with? Or NLDS wrap-up? Wrap what do we want to call it? Game 163 celebration? I mean, we had a lot. There's there's a lot. It's yeah, mostly so, good. Okay, so Ryan Top, JP Breen are both with me. And yeah, we, we had a lot of stuff happening in this past week. So my, my fear was, yeah. We'll call it the postseason jamboree. That's what we're going with. Um, yeah, my fear was last week is if things went wrong, we would have not gotten to talk about exactly what was happening going into the playoffs, and then the playoffs could have ended. But instead, the Brewers decided to end this NLDS in 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 a hurry. Yeah, very quick. So, um, yeah, we will get into that in a little bit, but it was definitely good to see. So uh, you can help fans find the podcast by rating and reviewing Milwaukee's Tailgate on Apple Podcasts. Oh, and the announcement I was going to make, I told Ryan about this. Uh, we're on, we're on but I told you I was going to make an announcement. We are on Spotify now. Oh, <laughs> so if, if you listen to podcasts on Spotify, you can find us on Spotify. Whew. You know what I thought the announcement was going to be? That you were going to like have to hang up the microphone and like not do this anymore. I, I thought that was going to be the announcement. So I was like, ah, oh, crap, that's coming later. I thought you were going to you... drop that live on air and be like, <laughs> that oh, one by the way, guys, I'm out. Deuces. <laughs> uh, yeah, not quite yet. So um, anyways, hey, we want listener questions. Uh, and we really waited till the end here. So I think we're just probably going to talk most of the time today, but in other future episodes, we want questions. Uh, so follow Milwaukee's tailgate on Twitter at MKE tailgate, email questions to milwaukees.tailgate at gmail.com or follow our Facebook page. You can also follow the three of us on Twitter and you'll find that in our Milwaukee's tailgate Twitter bio. And finally, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can visit patreon.com slash MKE tailgate. Our ball and glove patrons receive the monthly minor league extra podcast, which at one time I think people really wanted, but, <laughs> but you know what, when the major league team's good, uh, people want to hear about what's going on with the major leaguers. I think so. they still want to hear about, they it, do want to hear it. I won't undersell it. They do want to hear it, but, uh, it, it is funny how that, that I think, well, there was the there perspective were jokes on that this week about how, Oh, yeah, by the way, the Brewers will be picking 28th, and that's really sad. <laughs> no, it's not sad. No. And, by, and by jokes, I mean I made fun of you for it. Uh, well, it was McAlvey's tweet that you then directed at me, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because I'm actually, I'm actually really looking forward. I saved it because I'm looking forward to next June when you start talking about how the draft is going to be so much more difficult because they're drafting low. You can only get good players if you draft in like the top five. It, I was told you could only get him in the top 10, and then if the Brewers were in the top 10, I was told they could only get him in the top five. That's kind of how Ryan's thinking goes on that. So I actually I, I, I have, appreciate I have it. charts. I have charts. They, they exist. <laughs> well, I was going to I say should that tweet I out my chart tonight again. It's not my I was chart, going to but. that I appreciated your restraint through that, but then you started to tell people that you have <laughs> charts. So never mind. I, I have charts. Hey, uh, Milwaukee Steelgate is sponsored by Carbon 4 Brewing. From Dragon Flute to Block Party to Fantasy Factory IPA, K4 specializes in English-style malt bombs and perfectly balanced hop grenades. Uh, out now, they have the Night Call Smoked Porter, the Downton Appy, Appley, Appley, Downton Appley Apple Ale. Yes. Which I had this weekend. It's a lot of syllables. It is. It's a lot of apples. Uh, I had it this weekend when I was at the brewery picking up the uh, grand prizes for our prop bet winners. So yes, I, which I, I now have it. in my possession. Yeah, you have them. So uh, we will get those out, I don't know, sometime. I think Ryan's doing T-shirts and stuff too, right? 
We, yeah, we'll talk about that. <laughs> okay, way to be on it. Uh, so anyways, you can find uh, bottles of Downton Apley. Uh, you can also find cans of Fantasy Factory IPA, which, hey, there's still going to be playoff games that you need to uh, tailgate for. So pick up those cans and do that. And then also you can use the promo code MKE tailgate in the carbon four web store to receive 20% off your order. Uh, don't forget to visit the brewery on Kinsman Boulevard or find their beer at your local retailer. As always check out carbon for more information. Carbon four beer brilliance. Milwaukee's tailgate is also sponsored in part by sound devices, a premier manufacturer of audio production gear, and they're located right here in Wisconsin. Sound devices gear is used worldwide and is found on the set of Oscar-winning films and popular TV shows. And if you're looking to create a professional sounding podcast, check out the Mix Pre 3 and Mix Pre 6. For more information, visit sounddevices.com. Okay. Like we were talking about earlier, a lot of stuff happened in this past week. We had a game 163. And, and part of the issue was we recorded early last week because both Ryan and I were at the Sunday game, game 162. Right. So that, that pushed us even earlier in the... Uh, recording weekend and so, you know what happened at that game at game 162 where they, they won they won they much did. like the previous six games before that and the uh they the, have uh, they four games since then they have now won 11 games straight yeah we're getting close to what is it who does is it web web does the 12 free burgers when you go to burgers win 12 in a row i don't know this is your story no i think that's a thing I, <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's a, that's a I thing. know if you score like five runs in a game, they'll give you like five burgers for five bucks. Okay. And they're totally worth that amount of money. So um, yeah, anyways, that, yeah, you know, that's good radio for the postseason episode. <laughs> it really is. Um, anyways. Yeah. We got a game 163 in Chicago, which was exciting. It was yes. Though I, enjoy, I, I I I look at Ryan as he's trying to like type something up. George Webb, time. yes, they do the hamburger. They're getting ready for the hamburger giveaway for <laughs> no one twelve in a row. I people, the people care, Steve. The okay. people care. So anyway, uh, yeah, that game one sixty three, which I got to see very little of, which is probably better for me overall not to have lived and died through that one because I was busy. So I didn't really get to to see much of that, and uh, I did get to catch the end of it. It was a bit of a heart attack game watching the end of that one. So, JP, did you get a chance to watch that one? I got a chance to watch uh, quite a bit of it. I didn't. I don't remember. I don't remember actually. There are so many games now. They're all blending now. They blend in because, like, normally you can remember games that are super important, but when there are like seven games in a row that were must-win games, um, I, I can't really remember which one was going on when this but, is the one um, against the cubs <laughs> it was the one at wrigley <laughs> thanks fellas that's that's really cool. was. um but no shasin was excellent in that game that was the biggest thing that was coming out was that you know people were talking about who was going to be the guy you know it, we were talking about wild card games or we were just saying you know who's the ace of this team how are they going to be able to go into the postseason without having an ace and shasin and it seems like Wade Miley now are guys that are we're going to start games and are going to, you know, check up zeros or, well, I mean, Shasin gave up one, one homer over 5.2 innings. So he ended up having a wonderful start and then they got up and running. And, and like we've been seeing, it's the bullpen has gotten hot at the right time. And so game after game, you know, knock on wood right now, they're being able to shut down 
uh, the door because right now it's it's Hader is on point, Burns is on point, Woodruff is on point, Soria, you know, even though he he started off uh, game three against the Rockies with a uh, what was a four pitch walk, he was able to kind of work his way out of that again. And Knable has been just as good as ever. So they're in a position right now in which they actually didn't put their lefty. You know, they didn't have Jennings on it. They didn't have Sedano on it. I imagine that could change for the next series, but we'll talk about that. Well, right. But they're in a position right now in which they've got so many good arms that they can kind of go with whoever they want, right? Because their left-handed specialist right now is actually Corey Knable. Right. Because he that curveball is just absolutely wicked. Well, and and their roster decisions coming into the series were very specifically tailored towards facing the Rockies. They didn't look at the roster and say, we're going to pick the best 25 guys. They said, we're going to pick the best 25 guys to play this Rockies team for this series. Yes, but it's not like the Rockies didn't have tough lefties, right? I mean, oh, they've got yeah, Blackman. They they've got they've got a bunch of people that they can go on, right? So no, it's, it's, like, it's Blackman and Dahl, and then it gets really eh, after I mean, that. They've got they've got Carlos Gonzalez, who certainly can put a charge into one. They've got Ryan McMahon, who's able to come off the bench, who can hit for a lot of power. I mean, it's not like they don't have lefties to be able to come in and do damage. It's not like when they brought in uh, Pat Valaika. Which you were, everyone was like, right? Yeah. What is, what is happening here? Why? Well, what were your thoughts when they announced that they were going to basically start with the bullpen game for that first playoff game against the Rockies? Uh, you know, I think a lot of people were surprised, but it it definitely worked out. They had a plan, and it worked well on that you know Thursday afternoon. I'm not. I'm actually not overly surprised because we had talked about the the wild card game for so long that we said if it didn't match up right for somebody like Shasin, we said that they very well could bullpen that game. But Chassin ended up going against the Cubs, and so they were in a position in which it was like go to Chase Anderson or go to a bullpen game. And they've got so many arms right now that are actually pitching very well that it just made a lot of sense. And and Woodruff, is, Woodruff and Burns are going to be two of the key arms for this bullpen right now because they're two guys that you know can go the two or three innings but have been very, very good. And Woodruff has been one of the best i mean he hasn't i i can't remember the last time he's really given up a run to be honest uh-oh uh-oh well it's not like i didn't just say a bunch of things about a lot of pitchers who were pitching really well it's not like <laughs> the one person that i was actually going to jinx well steve is a big believer in bad juju so that's why we didn't get the the equipment set up until after the brewers had taken a six run lead and then it was no they put two they put two runners on in the bottom of the ninth jeffress did and, and steve and immediately started going this is this is what happens when you start setting up like this is what this happens is this is why they put two people on it's a sixth run lead everything's going to hell even though josh Hader was coming up hey right. you, don't, you don't screw with this stuff so um anyways yeah so we had the bullpen game and then shasin came back on short rest uh and pitched well yeah and i mean it really kind of was shasin did the job that woodruff and burns did the other two days which may seem like counterintuitive that that's a good thing, but then look, Burns was then available to come back and pitch in Game Three. So I'll, I'll tell you, watching watching that game the whole time, I, especially once they hit three innings, I'm like, they're going to pull Shasin, they're going to pull Shasin, and he was able. They to kept just... going. Oh, I was I was shocked. I would, we were sitting there talking it through uh, with the people sitting next to us at the game, and it was like. I, I could not believe that they let him ride it out in the fifth inning, especially kept waiting for them to, to pull him. 
and they just let him get it. And you could tell he knew that he was on like a, a very short leash there in terms of what they were going to let him get away with. And so he came out pumped up and fired up about that. And it really did. He, he probably had this series gone longer. That could have been a, a very big impactful thing for the series that he was able to eat those five innings on short rest like that. Uh, because it, it did allow them to not have to stress the bullpen as much that they were able to get that extra inning or two out of him beyond what we, you know, I sort of expected going into that. It was going to be more like, it would look more like the Woodruff start where he might go three innings. And then first time the, his, his turn comes up to hit. And I think he came up, if I'm not wrong, did he come up to hit in the top of the fourth and they let him hit for himself? Was that it? Or was he due? He, he may have been due after that inning. Maybe he, that's he why they was due after that inning. He only okay. had one. But I mean, you're exactly right to say that it was surprising how how far Craig Council was willing to go. And I mean, it, I think it speaks to the trust that Council has in Shusin. Oh yeah, he, he definitely trusts him. He is the one. He is the one starter on the Brewers roster right now that Council is willing to let ride. Yeah, and it, it, Shusin has earned that right. And I think Shusin does such a good job of, I think, sticking with what their game plan is. That they that there's the trust there that he's just going to execute what they want him to do, that he's going to go out and you are going to see him attack the hitters he needs to attack, which was really for that Rockies lineup was mostly he's going after an attack in the righties and the lefties. The, he was given some latitude to and, and did end up putting them on a little bit more and, and worked around them a little bit more. And it helped a lot that, you know, Nolan Arenado had an absolute trash series and Trevor Story wasn't much better. Both so you have the the Rockies' two best hitters, the guys in the the center of their lineup, effectively neutralized by Shasin Woodruff Burns. Well, and I mean, you know, looking at the bullpen coming in this whole series, the Rockies were facing righties that were throwing upper nineties the entire time, and when it wasn't a righty, it was Hater. Right. It was yes. It was Hater. And Hater was Hater was running it up because again on on like Thursday that first time he came in it was like yeah he's lighting it up today. There was uh, I mean Hater was popping ninety eight. Yep. Yeah, on the Miller Park gun, but well, no, I mean even on uh, uh, even on game day. Oh, are they okay? So it was on game day. I thought you were going to say the broadcast. I thought that was tied to the Miller Park gun, but but I mean I I do think. If we're talking about like sticking to game plans, it, this was something that we talked about last week. Who were they going to go to in the postseason uh, uh, behind the plate? Eric Kratz is the guy they're trusting right now to be able to call games, and it and it helps that obviously he's finding some nice luck at, at with the bat at the right time. Um, well, I mean, he drove some baseballs on Sunday in that final series. He had two to the wall. Like he legitimately drove those baseballs. Yeah, that, right. and then he had but, the big, the big single on uh, Friday night's game that but kind he, of broke he it looked, open for the Brewers. He looked surprised on all of that. Like on on Sunday, he looked shocked that he was hitting the ball that hard. Well, I mean, it's course, so I don't know. Can't... The you know the Rockies seemed to square a few balls up, and everything died middle of the outfield. You know, That's fair. So, uh, you know, the Brewers were definitely just stinging the ball better than the Rockies were. And again, you have a deep bullpen. They were optimizing their bullpen for that, you know. So uh, I, 
I think that's been the plan the whole season, and we're really seeing a, a, a team that was ready for the playoffs kind of executing at this point, which is good to see. And you were able to see the strength of, of the roster depth in September that not only gave Craig Council so many players to work with that they could play matchups so well. You know, we talked about that at length. That's still something that matters. But the one thing that it also did rested the bullpen. It gave them so many more players that they could go to that it allowed them to pitch in scenarios where they could find success. Canable was able to to turn turn the corner at the right at the right time. And I mean, I was thinking about I think it was right after the All-Star game or it was around the trade deadline. I can't remember which podcast it was, but we were talking about like who were some unsung heroes that could come back in September and be absolute heroes. And we were talking about uh, Orlando Arcia. We were talking about um, Eric Thames. I think we we brought up. Yep. Uh, we also brought up uh, Domingo Santana, and then we brought up Corey Knable. And like three out of the four of those those guys have been brilliant. I mean, Arcia has gotten a whole lot of luck on his side, absolutely, but he's hitting the ball with much more authority than he has been, and. Everybody just seems to be hitting their stride at the right time. And I understand that, you know, people don't like to hear, but, but like you got to get lucky. And and right now they're they're just like everything is hitting at the right time. And they're just going to hope to ride this out as long as they possibly can. Yeah. And RC is a good one to see. He had the big game against the Cubs in game 163. He went four for four. Yes. And I know to the eternal delight of uh, Brett Taylor and bleacher nation yes he, it was fun to to follow cubs blogs uh on twitter for that one just losing their mind over arcia but then he had another four hit game and a home run in game three of the nlds do you have four hits today oh sorry i i read that you had a four hit game and a home run in yeah you had the home run today i i'm not you yeah. you did the notes for that you put that down wrong i i wrote it confusingly I, I i ron burgundied that because you didn't put a comma yes, in there you did um so yeah but commas matter. commas matter but uh if you take eric kratz and orlando arcia then they had a four hit day and and arcia had a homer there yeah. you go but arcia like you said he's been stinging the ball so he had the big four hit game against the cubs he had a home run that was part of the brewers breaking it open in he had Sunday. one of the best damn plays i've ever seen live in game one I mean, we just looked at each other. Steve and I were at game one together, and we just turned kind of and looked at each other like, holy shit, did we just see that? Like, the the play he made going to his right and then throwing the ball across the diamond to nab, I can't even remember which runner it was, but just, what was it, the sixth inning-ish of, the, of game one? Just one of the better defensive plays. It looked like some Brooks Robinson highlights. Yeah, you see he was going, back behind third base, it seemed like, when he threw that. Right, he was, he was way off to his right and then just had to put everything he had on it, and the ball had a lot of loft on it. Like, it was, a, it was not a, a straight arrow throw because he just didn't, he couldn't set himself and throw and get the runner. So he had to just do that, and it, it came in. And yeah, we did. We did have the him having a, a bad play in the ninth of that first game. Oh, he had to make that quick. He had to try to make a quick play on a slow grounder, and wasn't able to. And come wasn't up able with to come up with it. It's kind of thing where, you know, if he would have taken the time to scoop it and throw it, he probably wouldn't have gotten the guy. Right, and so the only way to the only chance he had was to rush it, basically. But I mean, if you get if you can get some good at bats from Arcia plus the defense he's been playing, yeah, that's that's I think the player we've just hoped he could be. 
Right. And if you need offense later in a game, they have plenty of bench players that they can juggle around. And if he's starting a game and you want to inject offense later, you can do that. Or you can do what they did in game two, which was to start Hernan Perez at shortstop. I was going to say, they did do some juggling. They got a couple of doubles out of Hernan Perez. So, I, I mean, how big is his role, do you think, in the postseason? Because I, obviously that's another one, JP, that they, they deployed, I think, when they saw the right matchup. I think Perez gives them the defensive flexibility to be able to to go with a lot of different scenarios. I, I still, Aaron Perez, he's an enigma for me offensively. I don't necessarily know what positions in which I think he actually thrives. I mean, against lefties. I, I mean, kind of, right? But then sometimes his, his numbers against lefties are terrible. I mean, he it, did really it, well against lefties in the second half this year. He And that's why he was playing a lot was he was just killing them. Right, absolutely. But he was also hitting righties well during that time, too. True. Right? I mean, being deployed more against lefties, you're exactly right about that. Uh, I This isn't necessarily the question, but I'll say the one person over the past week and a half that I've actually been most impressed with, um, Travis Shaw starting to look kind of decent at second base. Yeah, he's made some plays. He never looked terrible over there. I, the thing I've been most impressed with since they started this whole experiment was was he going to be able to turn the double play? And we really haven't seen issues that way. Well, and he's actually using his third base skills where a couple of times he actually charged in at second base, barehanded it and threw it over to first to make some really nice, some nice plays. Right. Yeah. I mean, and you see him occasionally look a little awkward out there. Um, But again, even before he was a second baseman, he was spending a, a decent amount of time over there on shifts anyway so it wasn't like it was a totally new look for him and he he'd been seeing that stuff before yeah he's he's not a second baseman but he's definitely getting the job done there so it'll be interesting to see they have some decisions to make in the offseason and we will get to that at another time because we don't have to worry about those decisions yet that's part of the fun of winning series because we're playing playoff baseball damn it playoff baseball nlcs which is good to see uh kristen yelich still good Still really, really good. Uh, his home run in game one just seemed almost surreal that he could just continue it on into the postseason. And he, yeah, he, he didn't hit for power after that, but he was on base a lot, uh, both by, you know, taking walks and getting hits through. So he is just. But that's what that's what Yelich does, though. I mean, for him to hit 326 or whatever it was this year, he had a lot of balls that he was able to bounce through the middle of the infield and get hits that way as well. So, I mean, to see that, I'm like, no, that's how Christian Yelich hits. He puts the bat on the ball and he puts it in play. Or maybe not even necessarily get through the infield, but if you could get the infield in an awkward enough position, he can beat it out. Sure. He's, he's legged out plenty of infield singles this year. So. Well, I, I would point out... Um, for our Patreon uh, subscribers who have had the opportunity to listen to some of our minor league podcasts. Um, so Yelich hit about 326 and, and yeah, our Patreon people would know that Ryan thinks that that's like, a, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what, like a 55 hit tool, maybe. Yeah. He, he, he was when saying you, that when you take and translate uh, batting averages straight over to, uh, to like, hit grades that that's weird 
I, I've always you were the that. one that did it. So I've always that, found that's that. why I found it weird. That's why that you're happens. taking this abuse right now. So, but uh, you know, Yelich uh, continuing to just be on base. That yeah, that was the only time he hit for power. But he was on base so much that he scored a handful of runs in the series. Like every he scored in every game. I yes. mean, they're legitimately treating him there as if like they need to pitch around him at all times. They do not want to pitch Christian Yelich at all. Yes. Yeah, and when they're forced to. It's he's generally been doing a good job making people pay. Well, when you're a good hitter and you get some balls to hit, you generally uh, make the other team pay. And Yelich continues to do that. I think supporting, you know, just the second half he's had, which was incredible. And he's kept it up. Yeah, it's it's a remarkable run. You just it's hard to come up with better descriptors. He's just absolutely killing the ball. It's it's like a Barry Bonds impersonation. Yeah. So, but I mean, the guy, the guy getting the big hits though in the the series was Mike Moustakis. Yes. I yeah. Think Moose Moose is definitely showing that he's got the playoff experience. With uh, <laughs> hey, you know what? If it's good enough for Jim Cott, it's good enough for you, Steve. We laugh, but you know what? As long as they keep winning, I'm going to roll with it. He's got the playoff experience, and he's going to carry this team, right, JP? I mean. Playoff experience doesn't make a player, obviously, but there is something to be said for being in the postseason before and understanding the position that you're in where you don't. I mean, we saw this last year with a very, very young Brewers team that we talked about the fact that they struggled with to play with pressure. And like last year was going to be a learning experience. This year, a lot of the players that really just fell into the dumps in the second half of, of 2017 were able to learn from that. They understood what it was to play in pressure. And, uh, you know, guys like Arcia played much better. Guys guys like Domingo Santana obviously played better in, in September, right? The, those young players knew what to expect, and they were able to, to put it into action. How much of that, you know, is... In, well, it's all intangible i mean there's no way to necessarily prove that experience is what made that happen but if you talk to players they will say you know moustakis i guarantee you would say that yeah i felt more comfortable in that spot because i have done it before than the first time that you've had a postseason at bat you're stepping up in the ninth inning or extra innings as it was against the cubs in game 163 not that game i'm thinking of game one against the rockies right and at his uh hit his walk off um, he was he would absolutely feel much more comfortable in that spot. That doesn't necessarily mean he's going to do it, but any little edge you can get. Well, how much of it is players not necessarily having postseason experience, but having good postseason experience? Like Mike Moustakas has had success in the postseason. He has been part of a team that has gone to a World Series and lost in a tight game. I don't know. We can won. debate this. So we're glossing over the fact that Lorenzo Cain, who has good postseason experience, was like one for 12. Yeah, he had a series. really rough series. He had a rough series. Yeah. But they were uh, able to overcome that. At the same time, if you do talk to Cain or Moustakis, both, and you ask them about any, you know, like I'm pretty sure Moustakis after it, he said, yeah, that was a great opportunity for me to be able to win it, but we've got more games to win. Yeah. Like he was like, yeah, that's that's one one game. We we've got to keep going. Right. And I mean, the thing with Mustakis in those situations too was they were having a hell of a time. And this happened in both game one and game two. They were putting runners on, especially late. Once they got the Rocky starters out or towards the end of their run, they were putting runners on in those innings and were not able to come up with the big hits to bust it open. That was a big part of why, you know, they could have busted open game one a bunch of times and didn't. And as Steve pointed out when we were sitting there, they were getting the matchups they wanted. They were getting guys in the positions that they wanted 
handedness wise and just getting guys up with runners on and for one reason or other they weren't able to cash it in a lot of times it was the result of a strikeout you know and some of that credit obviously belongs to the Rockies for having you know good strikeout pitchers out of their bullpen to be able to do that but you know some of it just goes on that's baseball sometimes but when Moustakis was finally able to get that hit in the 10th inning on Thursday it really it was I said this too at the time that it was more of a relief than anything because it just they had so many times gotten so close and had you had felt like they were going to get over that hump and blow up in the game and they didn't and didn't and didn't. Well, yeah, we're sitting there for eight innings going, this is good, this is good, this is good, and then it comes crashing down right when the game gets tied. So yeah, it was good to see Mustakis get that hit, and then you know he was part of taking the early lead in the second game. Uh, Perez knocked him in, and then he ended up. Uh, he drove in the second he, run. He drove in the second run. He drove in Yelich. So he was part of, you know, kind of pouring that on, and he scored another run. I was going to say he was driven in then yeah. later. But, but I, one of the other things, too, is that, like, yeah, there were a lot of situations in which the Brewers had the kind of the right guy up at the right time and they weren't able to cash it in right Ryan Braun came in against a lefty with with the bases loaded and he wasn't able to do anything either right like and we saw that again and again but then in game three like we scored two runs on a balk and a wild pitch right I mean like it, it, it's baseball hold weird. on not only not only a wild pitch but Eric Kratz was sprinting home well lumbering home I mean, he's 38. He's entitled to lumber. He, you know what? That ball went went scooting out, and they just couldn't locate it because it took him a long time to get home, and he got there without too much of an issue. So, there was no way that pitcher was going to step in front of home plate when Eric. Grant- <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a that's a business decision. <laughs> no, def- like, definitely. Like I've got few. I've got future arbitration cases to worry about. <laughs> I am not stepping in front of that. He's got a wife and kid to think about. <laughs> So one uh, one of the 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 bumps I think we saw in this series, uh, Jeremy Jeffress was a little shaky. I mean, yeah, very up and down. Like, and it, it goes back even before that because there was the whole drama of him not pitching in game one sixty three with Hater coming out, and everybody expected like he wasn't even like in the bullpen. Apparently, was that the case, JP? Do you- it it sounded like he wasn't even there. It sounded like he almost stayed home. Yeah, there was something weird going on there and where they said that, like, because Jeffers tweeted during the game and said, what was it? Nope. Like when somebody yeah, said somebody's like, it's going to be hater than Jeffress and Jeffers tweeted. Nope. And then he was he's, so there was all the speculation, like what's going on with Jeffress? And he then was back with the team for this series and pitched in all three games well they quickly they pointed out there was no injury right it wasn't that back spasm thing and and there wasn't any other issue right like they kind of got that out of the way any other issue meaning anything to do with drugs or alcohol right i mean exactly there could have been another issue in which he wasn't feeling well or he just like they wanted to be able to keep him fresh for the wild card game potentially right they wanted i don't know it was something in which he was not available for an unsaid reason, and we still don't know what it is, but we know a lot of things that it wasn't. And the fact that they turned to him right away in game one, and then after an unsuccessful run in game one where he really, well, it was 
it was unsuccessful in that he gave up some hits early, gave up the lead, but then was able to hold through. And, you know, he didn't give up hard contact. It was one of those where you're looking at it just thinking. Well, Pars was a clean single, but not great. Holidays was a, a just a dribbler up the middle. There are a couple of dribblers that got through. And then, but you did have Cargo's shot down the line that was almost fair. It was just fall by inches. Yes, that would have changed the narrative quite a bit. That would have done quite a bit. But then they came right back to him in game two. And not just, and it wasn't just, hey, we're going to get you back out there and we're going to get you, you know, going again. They basically said, we're going to rely on you to get us two innings in this game. When it was still, when they brought him out, it was still a one run game. They were up one nothing. And then the Brewers did blow it open, you know, somewhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they scored the three more runs, but they brought him back out, and it looked for a second like maybe that was a mistake because he had to have been sitting there for almost a half hour before he got his pinch hit appearance, which is weird in and of itself. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, so, so yeah, JP. Say, so are you suggesting it was not? like a Mason Crosby situation in which he missed a bunch of field goals and then they put him out at the last second just to be like, hey, feel good about yourself before we go home. I mean, they were clearly relying on him. And then they right. brought him right back here. So clearly they trust him and they're they're riding with him. And that's, you know, but then hold on. But J- JP, what do you think of the, that decision in the ninth? You know, it was a six run lead. Jeffress put a guy on and there was a guy out. There was one out. There was a run. There were two runners on, though. He two runners on. The second guy on is when Hader came in. Sure. Two runners on, one out in the ninth with a six-run lead. And they gave him the quick hook, and they brought Hader, and they weren't going to screw around with that one. I mean, there is a there is a time to say, you know, we trust you to to get out of this spot. Um, and it's not necessarily in the postseason, right? You can trust somebody to go into a clean inning. You can trust somebody to, to pitch into a tough spot or maybe go a second inning. Um, but... At that point, you just needed the game needed to be over, and they went. There was a lefty up, and Hater was already warming up. There was no reason to not bring Hater in to close it down, and you you worry about those kinds of things later. If it was, I don't know, June or July, I think you probably let Jeffers go there, but not in October. Oh yeah, any uh, any regular season game, he has a six run lead and two guys on. If he was going to come in and finish it, he's not getting pulled well, and, from that and game also, until it totally spirals out of control. Maybe if you hadn't already used Hader and Knable in that game, maybe, you know, or if, sorry, if you had already used Hader in that game, and if you're pulling him for, I don't know, uh, who would be a random person that Dan they could, Jennings. Huh? Dan Jennings, yeah. I don't know that you would pull him for Dan Jennings, but when you can pull him for Josh Hader, I think that that's, you know, to a certain extent, I know, I know Hater, uh, Jeffers probably isn't super happy with it, but he can at least go well. You know, getting lifted for that guy isn't an embarrassment. You know, well, and it's one of those scenarios in which if he goes and talks to Craig Council, he already knows the answer as to why he got pulled. I mean, it's not rocket science, right? Yeah, you you put the guys on, and we had other options, and we were trying to close this thing out and avoid playing another day. Absolutely. I mean, you you have a lefty you have a lefty up with two guys on in a postseason match, and you've got one of the, if not the best lefty in all of baseball right now. I would say, you know, Aroldis Chapman is still kind of up there, but regardless, there's no reason to not go to him, right? I mean, there's there's a time to build confidence later, and that that conversation is pretty easy. Where Council says, next time in the ninth inning, where we have a lead and we're trying to close it down, you're still my guy. But right now. That's tough. 
Yeah. So, um, you know, we we'll see what they do with the back of the bullpen moving forward because it looks like confidence in Jeffress. I mean, they're not going to ab- abandon him by any means, but no, they're not. But they're they're it's a postseason. They're quick with the hook, right? He's not getting a long leash on that, especially if they do have somebody behind him. But I mean, they've been deploying Knable and Hater pretty quick in these games. I mean, Knable's been the the fifth, sixth inning man, which is kind of where Hater was earlier in the year, and Hater's now sort of moved back a little bit later into. Knable's now actually doing what Jeffress was doing early in the year. Oh, that's true. Uh, yeah, the fireman role, which is what yeah. he did today. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so um, you know. It looks like, uh, well, the NLCS starts Friday, which is great that we can say the NLCS starts and the Brewers will be in it. And you have to assume Yuli Shasin will pitch on full rest for game one? I would be shocked if it wasn't Shasin. JP, is there any reason it wouldn't be? No, I'd imagine they'd get him going as quickly as possible so they could potentially use him twice. Does he potentially get a uh, first, fourth, and seventh game treatment for the NLCS? So bringing him back on short rest now that we've seen it work and be okay? I think it would completely depend on how he performs. Okay, fair enough. Do you think we could see another bullpen game? Is is that an approach they'd take? Or, I mean, was yes. that really a bullpen game, though? I mean, it is, but like people say that that's a bullpen game, but Brandon Woodruff has been a starter. Okay, no, no. Here's, here's why I'll, I'll agree it's a bullpen game. Just the fact that Woodruff was going three and they were not going to let him go further because right. Woodruff, what he had thrown, uh, you know, in those three innings, a normal starter, they could have left him out there. Right. Sure. So, I, I guess that's, that's fair. I mean, right. This is the whole thing about, um, you know, whether or not, I know that Nick has been talking about whether or not they're going to have a rotation next year. And his argument is that they have so many pitchers that they're going to start shuttling in and out because they've got so many starting pitchers that they don't really have a rotation anymore, but they're still going to have starters. The game in which Brandon Woodruff was in there, it was not, he was not the, he was, you know, the starting pitcher just because he was the first one, but he was not performing the role that Wade Miley or Shasin were filling. His was completely different. Sure. I mean, he definitely had a shorter leash and it was a they weren't going to let him go. But it's only by a matter of degrees. I mean, it they were not going to let Shasin or Miley go much more than four or five innings. Yes, you can you can argue about the degrees of it. But my only point was so we can stop arguing this is that Woodruff was going three innings. That was it. Sure. Yeah, that, that seemed to be a cap because there was no reason other than this is as far as we were going to take you because he was so good in those three innings. The only reason you pull him is if that was the predetermined plan and you wanted to stick to it. And hey, Brandon Woodruff has hit a couple home runs this season. Letting him bat in the third inning would have been fine. (laughs) That would have made JP really happy. Absolutely. But the, the whole idea that it's just a matter of degrees... Yeah, everything is a matter of degrees, right? Sure. Like if if we just if we just start doing that, all distinctions disappear, and they're all just outgetters. Which Craig Council would probably say, "Now you're getting it." But. Yeah, now you now you understand. <laughs> uh, do they carry more than two starters in this next series? I I still think they'll they'll have. I think Geo probably still makes it um, because. I still think that they want to be able to have uh, both a lefty if they really, really need it. But if you get into an extra inning situation, you need to have length. 
Yeah, because they had Geo and uh, they never sent Peralta. They had Freddie Peralta on the roster, and he never went out there. And he's another guy that could have added length if they need. They had a game that went long, right? Freddie they, Peralta and Geo both. I'm assuming Geo is coming back for the next series, but I mean, is Chase Anderson done? Are we going to see Chase Anderson on, you know, an NLCS or a potential World Series roster? No. So he's done for the year. I think he's been out of he's been worse than geo down the stretch i think uh freddie peralta was only on the squad because of his previous success with colorado and his experience pitching in in uh the altitude triple a and even Guerra could go multiple it could really give that that length if you wanted to get in that spot as well oh so I mean, you think freddie's done then that freddie's well, not going to be on the ooh, oh that is a grand slam Akuna. for akuna matata so but i will say Craig Council said prior to the Rocky series that Freddie Peralta was the most Rocky specific pick of any pitcher on the roster. Oh, yeah, that was that was clear. I think, like you said, he pitched in altitude. He had pitched well in Colorado, like specifically against the Rockies before. Yeah, he was there just for that, because otherwise you'd think he's a pretty shaky, you know, proposition. Otherwise, I mean, maybe, but he also has really, really high-end ability to he does but he also making hard contact he also seemed like the guy that could go out and give you a disaster start and knock you out of a game pretty early which is what you definitely don't want to see once you get in a series like this and and if you're in a position i would much i would feel much more comfortable having somebody that i could go to as a situational lefty and not rely on like geo gonzalez being my situational lefty if like Corey canable has already gone i would much rather have you know Sedania rather than than Jennings, but like one of them rather than Freddie Peralta. But Freddie Peralta was brought in to be that guy. I wouldn't be surprised to see him dropped and they put in Sedania for the next for the next roster. So you think Peralta could be the guy that goes out in that case? Huh. Okay. But we do think Anderson's done, which okay, is hold that's on. rough. So since we're talking rosters, we do have a Patreon question from uh, PB Brew Crew. Uh, what's the biggest surprise in the last two weeks uh, in roster decisions? He also asked about game management and on-field performance. But let's take the roster decisions right now. What were the, what were the biggest surprises? And do you have any surprises, I think, going forward in this next series? I think the biggest roster surprise for me isn't necessarily who made the roster, but it's that Eric Kratz has been getting the everyday gig. I still thought they'd split it, but Kratz is the everyday guy right now. And, and yeah, he's been able to pay them back with, with some good performances, um, but it's not like Pena wasn't hitting the ball well in September either. Did Pena start one of those games? He did, didn't uh, he? Pena started game one. He started game one. But yeah. Kratz had two and three. Right. And did, didn't Kratz go game 163? Oh man, I can't remember. I think he did. I, yeah, I don't. I'd have to go back and look and see what that roster was. I don't have it right in front of me right now. Yeah, I mean, the biggest. I don't know that anything really particularly surprised me because part of it was I did think that both Geo and Miley were going to make that uh, NLDS roster, and then I sort of was talked out of it, and so I was a little bit surprised. Who when talked I saw you out it. of it? Huh. Oh, the people on Twitter. Oh, they talked me out of it. They said that, oh, that the Rockies have so many lefty. It was, so it was cracks against the Cubs, by the way. Yes, it was. OK. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if anything was particularly shocking. They had so many options. And I 
I know that the uh, the other team that's very much in the situation too is the Astros. The guys they left off, like Brad Peacock, got left off their their DS roster. I mean, but the Brewers had so many guys that could potentially have legitimately made this roster. I think you could have credibly claimed I don't know 30, 31 guys to Easy. to potentially make that roster. And I think if, even if we're talking about pitchers, right? Like Zach Davies didn't make the roster either. I'd rather have Zach Davies on the roster than I'd rather have uh, Zach Davies on the roster than um, than Chad Anderson. Yeah, and that is that is yeah. Davies did have a good run in September and seems like a guy capable of getting you through the lineup a couple times in one of these starts. I mean, does Davies then is he on the roster against either the Dodgers or the Braves? It depends on what they want to do. I think if they want to really only give starts to Miley and Shasin and they want to go bullpen the rest of the way, no, I don't think Davies does make it. Is that possible when you start getting into a longer series? Yeah, absolutely, because they still have regular off days. I Is that something you want to see, Ryan? I mean, do you think that they can basically pull this again for a longer series? Well, any series is going to be longer than three games. Uh but longer than a five-game series. Longer than the five-game series. Yeah, no, I understand. It's, I don't know. I think that the biggest worry that I have was how much they did ride the best arms at the back end of their bullpen in this series. Where that's you had, just be, that's, that's only because they won every game. That is true. They didn't have the, yeah, they didn't. They didn't have a disaster and they game were, to send out Geo or to send out Freddie Peralta. And they were close in every game reasonably late. They didn't need to pitch Jeffress with a six-run lead. But no, I think he was up. They had just scored late. Right. Well, they were already up 4 nothing though, even going into that. But yeah. Postseason, you know what? You're going to kind of treat four Especially runs. in Colorado, where it can, it can all happen really fast. Uh, yeah, I, I suppose. It's... I do think that they're going to have to get more innings out of their non-back-end guys as we go forward. I think that's something they are going to need to get. So I'm not talking about... I'm not talking about uh, necessarily it having to be starters, but you're going to have to see more of a workload carried by Woodruff, who only pitched three innings in that in the first part of the game. Well, and but, would have probably pitched. But hold on, if they're going if they're going bullpen games again, Woodruff is going to play a part, and it's yeah. not going to be pitching late in the game. He's going to start a game, but you know he just may not have be to looked. He may have to go four or five. Would no no Woodruff easily could have gone game four. No, I'm He's, saying he could. He he may have to go four or five innings as opposed to just being limited to three, depending on the situation. The the worst possible scenario is that you have to pitch two games in a row. Like I don't understand what the worry is. the The entire worry about like bullpenning as it is, and and this is something that I put on Twitter. Like the the entire worry about bullpenning is that it it's not sustainable over 162 games just because of the variation that happens with the schedule, with what happens if one of your your bullpen games like you have to use it just a, a crap ton of pitchers because you you know somebody just blew up. And then it throws everything off in your in your system when you're only pitching when you only have two games in a row and then you've got an off day. You absolutely have the ability to bullpen as much as you want. Well, next series, there's a three day chunk. So you do have which, for that one, which, which Jeffress has shown that he can go on three days in a row. Canable's shown that he can go three days in a row. 
I mean, like hate or no is not going to go three days in a row. So people will probably have a conniption on whether or not, you know, he should be pitched in the first game of a three game set and whether or not he can go the third one. But um, they've also shown that they're willing to use hater on back to back days in the postseason, which they should. Well, and they were they were careful about that because they with their decision process on that was interesting on on Friday because they were clearly only going to go to hater for that one inning because they had the pitcher spot due in the next inning. So they were not going to let him go further on in that game. So he was out there just to get that one out when he came in on Friday. Mm -hmm. So he was not going to go long potentially in that game, which I think that's more of what you'll see. If, if haters going to go multiple days in a row, some of it will be as, you know, lefty specialist duty. At least one of them will be as lefty specialist duty if you're seeing him multiple days in a row. Yeah, you're not going to see him go two innings, two days in a row. That will not happen. Right. But I think the biggest concern that you're having with like overusing guys or whether or not, you know, some of the back end bullpen guys will have to go more and more is just not liking the idea of needing to go to guys routinely. Right. I mean, they don't need to. There's going to be scenarios in which they, they end up pitching. But there are absolutely scenarios in which Gio Gonzalez does not pitch for an entire series. Well, yeah, we just saw it. And Freddie Peralta doesn't pitch for an entire series. Right. And so there are there are absolutely scenarios. So it's not like they have to pitch. It's just likely that we're going to need to see them because I would imagine that the Milwaukee Brewers are not going to to sweep whichever team that they play in the NLCS four games in a row. By the I way, mean, it, it, it's been known to happen. Yeah. Didn't the, uh, didn't the uh, Royals go through and just like sweep everybody in 2015? They did. With I'm a just, really good bullpen. I'm just suggesting that it's not likely, not that there's not a scenario in which it could happen. Yeah. I got yelled at for talking about how well everybody did. If I would have predicted that the Brewers were going to sweep somebody in the NLCS, both of you would have gone ape shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, part of it, too, is just if you look at the innings load that these guys have carried so far, Jeffress has pitched uh, three and a third. Knable's pitched three and two thirds. He's gone. He's gone long. They Hater's all kind of rolled pitched. out for an inning plus when they came out. Hater pitched a couple that first game, but otherwise he was. Well, just, he just came in for the one and then the two outs to finish. On I mean, he only game pitched three. yeah an inning total in, in the those, final two games. But he pitched. Jeffers, he Jeffers got, was pitched with. Uh, Jeffers was treated with kids' gloves all throughout September, though. He was. They were. They were backing off of Jeffers because they had ridden him harder than they had ridden anybody throughout the course of the season. Which so made I, sense because he was having such a phenomenal season. Yeah, I don't think I'd be worried that you know he was used a couple of games rather heavily. Well, no, but it you do worry about the cumulative effect of that if you get deeper and deeper. But then that's a good problem to have, and you just deal with it at the moment that it happens. I'm thinking of specifically that's like the Andrew Miller thing when the Indians rode him so hard through the 2016 playoffs, and he was great every time until the last time. And then it didn't work anymore. And he was pretty clearly that, tired. That's also being a pitcher. Like, that's being a reliever, right? I mean, like, relievers are going... To, there's no way to know what that was because he was absolutely fatigued. Like, was he then not fatigued the game before that? Sure. No, it's fair. I mean, also, when you're playing great teams, it's easy to then not look great. Sure. And, yeah, he was probably due... He had been so amazing throughout that entire run. It was due for some 
you know, wildness in there, and it happened. By the way, I just saw the the graphic on screen in this uh, Dodgers Braves game where uh, Ronald Acuna. Uh, is now the youngest player ever to hit a grand slam in the postseason. And hold on, we'll ask Breen, who do you think he surpassed? Who had that record and that no longer has it? I guess if you want to call it a record. I have no idea. Ronald Acuna is now the youngest uh, player to hit a grand slam in the postseason by being younger than Mickey Mantle. Who is twenty one? Yeah, and Acuna is. 20. I was I was like trying to figure out which brewer it like why it was me that needed to know the answer to that question because I was like I don't. I was I just was pointing out. You know what? He he's he's showing that he's a pretty great player, and when you start being like younger than other great players, it's it's pretty cool to see. So I'm gonna really? play host for a second, and this wasn't on the agenda, but we don't so have we, much on the agenda no no we've got we've got two teams playing right now and we're going to be seeing one of these teams come friday are you taking the question i was going to ask next yes go ahead ask your question then <laughs> way to step all over everything i i guess okay so we have the braves we have the dodgers uh the braves um you know we're just talking about acuna's uh grand slam so a it's only the top of the third but atlanta looks like they could win at least a game in this um who would you rather see the Brewers face, I guess, in the NLCS? Braves. Braves. Without question. <laughs> no, that isn't a surprise. The Braves had the fewest wins of any of the playoff teams, and they were the only ones that didn't have to do anything before the playoffs started. And they were in the weaker division, yes, too. They were exactly. in, by far the weakest division in the NL. I mean, Second I picked, only to I the picked, AL Central. I picked the Dodgers to go to the World Series, so there's no way that I want the Dodgers to... Uh, I, I The Dodgers are the best team. In, in the NL. Yeah, I mean, that whether, wasn't some dark horse whether, pick you were making. Yeah, I mean it's it's no like obviously the Brewers can beat can beat the Dodgers, like that that's not going to be anything groundbreaking to say, but the Dodgers are the best team in the NL. And so if the Brewers can avoid them, that's beneficial. Well, I mean the Dodgers have three starters who are bringing it right now. And Kershaw, who had a fantastic start in game two, Ryu, who was amazing and has been really good. I didn't realize how good he would have been in the second half. Um, since coming back uh, to the States, he had been really, really good. And then Walker Bueller, who's struggling in this game, but has been really one of the best pitchers in the National League over the course of the second half. So you have those three guys. But you know what? I, I would rather face the Braves. But I think you can get to the Dodgers bullpen. I mean, you get the past their their three really good starters. I think you can get to that bullpen. They do yeah. have guys, but I mean, we're, but the the Dodgers bullpen is getting better. Like Kenley Kenley Jensen has seen his velocity come back up. He's been as nasty as ever. Um, I know that he still gives up runs from time to time, but there's not a scenario in which Kenley Jensen is on the mound and I am in a, you know a happy mood. And then they've got plenty of other guys that that can come in and throw gas. I mean, if they if they get into a situation where like they could even bring Walker Bueller in for out of the bullpen. That'd be rough, but it, it's not a matchup issue. You just think the Dodgers top to bottom are that much better of a team. Oh, and yeah, the lineup is clearly superior to what the Braves have at this point. I mean, I think Acuna and you have, you know, like Ozzy Albies, Albies yeah. are, are going to be very good players for a very long time. And, you know, talent wise, they're great. But you've got a lot of Dodgers right in the heart of their prime. And you get Mac Mun Max Muncy doing, a, you know, a, a very good what Justin Turner, 20 
17 impression right now. You know, now. the the ultimate reason why the Brewers don't want to face the Dodgers is I think I saw David Freeze was on the uh, roster. Jesus. Excellent. Well, and I think Max Muncie, if I remember correctly from Twitter, every, we, he has now been, dumb, been dubbed uh, Maximum Muncie <laughs> for the second. <laughs> So he's in a he's in a good spot. But the Braves, I mean, the Braves have been very middling. I was just looking up the, the offensive numbers from the second half. Dodgers have been second best offensive team in all of baseball uh, in the second half, while the Braves have ranked 18th in the in Major League Baseball. So uh, the Brewers, by the way, fifth best offensive team in Major League Baseball in the second half. The Milwaukee Yelichs. The Milwaukee Christian Yelichs. I think so. Well, with the, with the second half he had, let's. Let's not say that. Uh, and I mean, Ryan Braun did his thing in the second half too. He was very helpful. Uh, Braun was fine. I know you were talking about Braun's like power, and it's like, well, he had like three games where he, you know, crushed the ball. What was his overall numbers in the second half? He had an OPS well over nine hundred, didn't he? You're the one bringing it up. You look it up. Breen's looking it up right now. I can see him. I'm He's not. Looking. I'm actually looking up to see how these two teams pitched in the second half because I think the Dodgers were unbelievable. Yeah, the Dodgers had the second best. Uh, ERA. I mean, you know, I, I will say Braun Braun has continued to sting the ball. He, he still isn't hitting for the power, and he clearly can't catch up with the high heat that it used to. So, I mean, when you see a power guy come in, I you know where it used to be, Braun could eat those guys up. I don't. That's just not the case anymore. Even if it looks like he's getting on track, he can't hit power pitching like he used to. And he's he's had some big clutch hits in this run that they've been on, but I. On Friday, I was saying that they should yank him for uh, Granderson. Right. Ryan, a- Braun, uh, Ryan Braun had a 370 WOPA in the second half, uh, second best on the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, behind Christian Yelich, who had a 502 WOPA. <laughs> what now? He had a 502? Yeah. Yeah, he was uh, actually 120% better than the league average player in the second half. Well, his his OPS in the second half was up over 12, right? Yes, I, I don't. That was on the I broadcast today. Yes, it was. It was. Yeah, I didn't look at the numbers, but his uh, weighted runs created. So, like, 100 is league average. And so, if you have a 120, that means you're 20% better than the league average player. He had a 220 uh, runs created. That's some Barry Bond shit. It that really, is. we keep saying it, but like, he has been on a run. Well, the only reason every, you know, we need to like tamp down the Bonds thing is Bonds did that. For full seasons, for four years, for multiple seasons, yeah, from '01 to '04, he was basically that guy. It's like people intentionally walked him with the bases loaded. Oh and yeah, it, and it was a good strategy. Well, absolutely, they were just like, no, just take the run. It's fine. Yeah, I mean, if you've got a four-run lead or something, yeah, you don't. Well, and he lead. wasn't much of a base runner. He was not going to like score on a you know double to the corner or something like that. No, that's one of those things we have to remember. Like Barry Bonds when he was younger was the most complete all around like he was an amazing defender amazing base runner man stole over 500 bases i will say that uh junior guerra hit 308 in the second half 13 plate appearances so there you go junior guerra is the secret weapon he is that's why he needs to make the roster for the nlcs is for that pinch hit appearance in a 14 inning game it's better than well yeah i was gonna say it's better than a whole lot of players um but Brewers played really well. I mean, this is like stating the obvious, but like even just looking at the numbers again, um, and September was a great run, no doubt, but the, the Brewers played some pretty damn good baseball in the second half. 
They did well. August, they had that August, yeah. August made everybody nervous. Well, August was very up and down. They because right. they would get blown out and then you know lose by twenty to the Dodgers or whatever. They very much were looking forward to rosters expanding in September. Oh, and we all we talked about it on this podcast weeks ahead of time. We're like, as soon as we get to that point, Craig Council goes into full on rain delay mode, and and they did, and they did, and it worked, and it was beautiful. It really, (laughs) you cannot complain at all about the the results of how that went. It is kind of funny. Yeah, they've they won all but one series in September, and they continue to win series, which is good to see. for as bad as everybody was talking about them playing in August, they they still were 500. They were fine. Right. It was just that when they lost, they were getting their ass handed to them on a fairly regular basis. Oh, oh certainly. And I I mean, it's, and they had it's, some awful losses too. just some really ugly, horrible, kick you in the nuts sort of losses that were terrible. I mean, to think about the rhetoric that was surrounding the team just before the All-Star break with that Pirate series to how good they're playing now and how just kind of on board everybody is with this team and talking about how, um, you know, they made the right moves at the right time. They're doing all this great stuff with the, the, the rotation. And like if Wade Miley is suddenly going to become like a legitimate MLB starter just because he added a cutter to his repertoire. Like, I, I don't know, like Gio Gonzalez needs to start playing with a cutter everyone needs to start playing with a cutter because like that's the only thing I can see that's any different from Wade Miley and suddenly he's incredible well and yeah the the whole time you know when he got injured in spring training and he went on the DL and they kept kind of hanging on to him because he was taking up a, he was he was on the 60 he they went had to, to activate 60, him yeah. and by that time it's like are they really going to go through with this experiment like it just didn't seem like something that they should do at the well, time. Well, because and we were all going, when is Woodruff going to get his well, shot? Well, exactly. When is you know Burns potentially going to get his shot? We're all going. You know, Davies is like on and off the deal all the time, and we're going. He's going to need to be in there. And so we, and other guys were doing well enough that it wasn't a concern. You know. Yeah. So Wait. how how do you feel about Wade Miley or Julius Chassin starting? you know, game one of the NLCS. And guess what? Those are the two guys that we probably have the most confidence in right now for good reason, not most confidence because we have nothing else to, you know, throw out there, but we have confidence in those two. You know, there are still people waiting and hovering though, to be like, I told you those guys are terrible and you shouldn't rely on them. You got to get, go get you a stud, go get you a a Jacob deGrom, go get you a, just like, they're just miserable people though. Right. Like, I mean, the people that need to go and sit and like are waiting for bad things to happen just so they can complain on Twitter and tell everybody that they were right. Like those people are miserable. They uh, like, why would your entire scenario be to sit and wait for something bad to happen so you can go and like shove it in people's faces? Yeah, that's the yeah. I mean, there are there are a lot of I, you know, like I said that this team was going to win 83 games and people have said, like, well, you were wrong. I was wrong. I have no I have no issue saying that I was wrong a lot of things ended up happening that i didn't that i didn't foresee i think arguably for for good reasons um but there is never like a situation in which the milwaukee brewers doing bad is something that like you would want to go and gloat about (laughs) no not at all and yeah you know coming into the season i don't think anybody could have said the bullpen's going to pitch like this and if you said the bullpen is going to be one of the best in baseball and you know 
We hoped it would be. We kind of looked at it and we said, if Knable Hater. No, okay, uh, here's what it was. I, you, and I remember oh. it was they have a good bullpen. We don't know how deep it is. Um, you know, you can rely on them to not like kill you, but the way that they were able to, to deploy it and I think win so many more games because of that was something nobody would have guessed. Well, and the way that it worked out to be deep too was in a surprising way because Knable was often not part of the the back end uh between injury and just being hurt yeah between those things canable is often not able to be part of it we would have thought if you told us that their bullpen was going to be really deep i think we both would have assumed taylor williams was going to have a much better year than he had yeah i mean i i would either that or they were going to make a bunch more trades and then part of it too was you had in halves of the season where guys were really good. Matt Elbers was outstanding. He was a stud the first two months of the year, and then became completely unplayable. Mm-hmm. So you had you had some you know weirdness like that where Matt Elbers in the first half was a, a huge part of them getting through when they had that great bullpen run in May when Canabel was out. Elbers was right in the center of all of that, getting big outs night after night. And then, you know, wasn't anymore. So, and you'd figure, you know, if other guys were going to potentially, Jennings was very good early on through the first part of the season, wasn't later on. You trade for Sori and he was, eh. I mean, they had no problem moving on from guys once they weren't effective. There there was no sticking with guys that they didn't believe, I think, had a reason to bounce back. Well, JP was really surprised when they just released Boone Logan. And just up well, and said, We're right? Done. And like, I was more surprised that Boone Logan didn't sign with anyone. Like, Boone Logan's velocity was taking up. He was actually starting to strike out more people. He couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. Like, we know that. But I was surprised. Like, Oliver Drake found 27 new teams over the course of the season to play for. I couldn't believe that Boone Logan couldn't find one. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Yeah. So it, it's been fun to watch. But uh, we got another series coming up NLCS. It's going to be either the Dodgers or Braves. The Dodgers are making a bit of a comeback here as we talk. Um, I guess any predictions for this NLCS? Are you just looking forward to it? I'm just looking forward to it. I think it's going to probably be the Dodgers. The Dodgers have a 2-0 lead and potentially could close it out even tonight before the people hear this. So the the Dodgers are the better team. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a great opportunity. I think I'm planning on at least one of the games kind of tuning in to see to hear euchre just because i i kind of want to hear how he's calling the game because he's going to be so excited um and some of the national broadcasts have been a little bit tough so it'll be a great opportunity to well i I will say the national will he fly out to yeah i think think? he's doing the whole thing um and i will say the national broadcast at least they're going to tighten up we're going to get the better 18 announcers (laughs) even if you don't like buck well no it's not buck buck is actually gotten to be tolerable it's smoltz is just a grump and hates baseball apparently yeah like that's really it'll be fine that's really annoying where it's just like you have this man who seems to hate the brand of baseball that's being played in the current era and just griping about it nonstop during broadcast like why the hell are you doing this why is mlb not doing something about this and saying hey stop this you're here like you're a partner with MLB. Yeah, but then you get like promote the freaking game. But then you get the ESPN booth with, uh, um, you know, A Rod's in there, uh, Jessica Mendoza, and people complain about that. So people will always complain about the booth, regardless of what's going on in there. They're going to yeah. have some complaint. Sure. 
So it's just the way it goes. Uh, anyways, any last thoughts, JP? Last thoughts on anything before we wrap up? No, I've gotten to wear my uh, my Brewers polos to teach in front of a bunch of Cubs fans uh, over the past week. I've enjoyed that. Um, I have gotten con- comments from it from multiple students, and so I haven't even mentioned it. I've just worn it, and it's been a great opportunity for me to uh, to 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 have some bonding with students. Do you do you walk up to them and like dry their tears with your Brewers polo? Is that how that works? It does wick away moisture. Yeah. I, I will say the the most interesting thing is um, multiple Cubs fans actually say that the Brewers are now the team that they are cheering for uh, in um, in in the National League now. Did you tell them saying, that would not would not have been reciprocate, reciprocated? <laughs> no, I did ask them if they go and see games at Miller Park though. <laughs> of course they do. That's the only way that park gets filled. So, anyways, that's going to do it for the show this week. Hey, we got more games to talk about next week, which is awesome. So, definitely tune in again. Uh, and don't forget to join our Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash tailgate. Ball and glove level patrons will receive the monthly Minor League Extra podcast, which will be coming out soon? Soon, yeah. Well, well I was going to say, we're we're waiting for the AFL to kind of kick up, so we have some, some Minor League stuff to actually talk about. Yeah. Oh, we're not going to do it this week? Yeah, okay. we're working out right now. Well, we have a we have a very long week of no baseball. We and you know part of it is we also have a week of preparing for the NLCS because we are going to have a couple. We're going to be a couple games in next time we record. Yes, we will be two games in next time we record. So uh, as always, follow us on Twitter at MKE Tailgate. You can also submit questions to milwaukees.tailgate at gmail.com or through our Facebook page for Milwaukee's Tailgate Baseball Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, in the Google Play Store, and we're on Spotify, so check us out there. Uh, you can leave reviews any of those places. That'll help people find the podcast. So thanks for listening, and look for us again next week on Milwaukee's Tailgate. <laughs>